Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney. Justin, the Jaguars getting ready for that first home game of the year home against game. the Colts. Home game and... Uh, exciting for it to be back in Jacksonville after so long, new regime, and see how the home fans respond. And the Colts, I have a good feeling about the Colts. I, I think there's... A good feeling like, I, as in I, they're a good team, no, or a good I, feeling as the Jaguars can I, get a win? I have a good feeling about the Colts game, <laughs> so I do I do think Jacksonville gets a win this week. They were so close last week, um, I was pleasantly surprised. I did pick them to get a win, that did not happen. Um, self-inflicted wounds, but I do think I like the matchup this week, and and I think W number one comes Sunday. You know that's what's so hard about that game is you you kind of sit there and process it. Today, Press Taylor was talking, and uh, I asked him. I said, "How many points do you think you, you left on the field on Sunday?" And he goes, "Too many." And you know, yeah. like he he didn't even want to count them because he knows that that's just how many opportunities they had to have scored points on Sunday. So hopefully these are things that they've cleaned up throughout practice and we should see a little bit of a cleaner game from them on Sunday. A couple of things that we kind of have to be on the lookout for as uh, the Jaguars get ready for this game. Obviously, task number one is on the defense. They got to stop Jonathan Taylor. Got to. I mean, they saw him twice last year in the first matchup in Indianapolis. People thought he was getting ready to set a new rushing record. that first half he had was (laughs) unbelievable. Um, so stop Jonathan Taylor, um, and that's big. And, you know, I kind of talked about Press Taylor, but Doug Peterson earlier in the week when asked about the secondary problems, the lapses, especially um, in that fourth quarter, which allowed Carson Wentz to just march down the field uh, at will, so that those were correctable mistakes. He, fit, he felt that after some conversation and showing those guys in the secondary some things, they feel like they've got those issues addressed and that won't happen again. So we're interested to see how that um, factors into Matt Ryan, if they are able to shut him down and really kind of put the ball in Jonathan Taylor's hands and let him uh, kind of do as he will with it. Yeah, it, it's interesting listening to the guys talk about some of the mistakes or how they have to correct some of them. Is Because on the defense, it's really about communication in the secondary, in the front seven, because it sounds like the defense is very flexible in what's called, and then it kind of molds and shifts based on what the offense does out there. So the coverage will change, which, you know, sometimes you, defenses do change coverages based on, like, if a receiver motions, motions and it becomes a trip side or something like that. But it sounds like they're very fluid with how things are, are called and how they, they adapt to what the offense does. So communication going to be key. I even I asked Shaquille Griffin today, I said, is it a double-edged sword? Do you want, you know, you, the, you want the home crowd to be loud when you're on the field, but you still got to be out there and communicate? He said, no, y'all be loud as you want to be because uh, he said, well, well, that'll force us to figure out how to, how to communicate with each other. So uh, Jaguars defense is imploring all the fans to be loud on Sunday. That's good. That's good. You like to see that, and if they can make that home environment a little bit more unfriendly to play in for opposing teams, I, I don't think there's going to be um, 
any need for that. I think they're going to, the home fans are going to be pumped. I think they want to see something positive from Trevor and company. And I do think win number one comes this week. Colts just can't win here. They cannot win in Jacksonville, not since Andrew Luck in 2014 absolutely ripped the Jags apart in that game. The Colts have not won in Jacksonville. And you look back, you don't need to look back that far. Last January, Colts playoff season, playoffs on the line, and they could not get it done. Um, ironically, Carson Wentz was a quarterback for that game, and he just picked Jacksonville apart uh, Sunday in Washington. So um, if you're Jacksonville, you obviously you're not paying attention to that history. It's something for media and, and fans to talk about. Uh, Doug Peterson wanted no part of that. Trevor wanted no part of that. doesn't matter. Um, they're worried about a game this week. But I do think the fans are going to be fired up. Um, I think they want some reason to be fired up. And I do think um, the Jaguars – will give them something to be excited about this week. They have to. I mean, it's been down for so long. I think there should be a good crowd on Sunday. Uh, I don't know if we're at sellout levels yet, um, but they, there should be a good crowd. But they've got to do something to, to keep this fan base on 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 excited for what's moving forward. Because you start the year 0-2, yeah, some of those some of those fair weather fans yeah. start waning in interest. I think, I think there's saying, a lot of fair weather fans. I think you know you saw well, that. And I can't blame them. No, when you say I don't. How no. bad this franchise has been for the better part of the last decade. Yeah, it's like, well, what sort of goodwill have you built up to me? Yeah, and you see it. You see it on social media. You see it in comment sections of social media. You see it in stories and even in conversations on the radio. I mean, you hear that all the time that the fans. Or this is more of the same. The Jaguars suck. Trevor's a bust. It's you know, we move, let's move the team. We don't want to sink any more money of our tax money into this. I mean, there's just so much apathy and anger from fans because it's really been a decade outside of that 2017 season of just bad football, bad storylines, terrible teams, bad draft picks. So you can't really feel for the fans. I mean, you you, you feel they're. You feel their pain, and I don't think that they're wrong in feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's amazing, having been here through the AFC Championship seasons, just how much a winning football team does for this community. And I think a few wins, you stack a few together if you're Doug and Trevor and uh, the defense, this town's perception and how they're going to react and what you hear from fans shifts drastically. And I think that can start with as little as maybe a couple wins. So I wasn't here in 17. I got here in 19, which was Nick Foles' year. Right. And I vividly remember that first Chiefs game when he goes out there and breaks the collarbone. I remember leaving the station, people tailgating, heading over to the, across the river, you know, excited for that game. I remember looking up and saying, wow, this is, this is a crazy environment, you know. And it hasn't been that way since yeah. then, but I, I remember that. And that's... That was a couple of years removed from 17. That was just the hope that mm-hmm. Nick Foles was the guy that would get that success back. So, oh, no, 100%. If they can put it together, you know, oh, the fans will be there. Yeah, and I think that's all it's going to take. I think it's going to take maybe a couple wins in a row, and I think the city and the fan base, which has been tormented by just years and, and regimes of bad drafting of – more of the same, you know, four and 12 records, last year three and 14 and all the urban drama. There's just so many things fans can point to and say, not again. So I get it, I understand it. Um, I feel in a far different mindset than I did last year at this time, coming off a, a week one loss to the Texans and the coaching staff had no idea what they're doing. Uh, just a terrible showing. 
I don't feel that way in week two this year. I felt like there was progress last week. They just let the game slip away. There was too many mistakes, too many penalties. The pocket wasn't there for Trevor in our passing, passing situations that were critical. So I do think if they can address just a few mistakes. I mean, you asked Press Taylor about the how many points they left on the board. Sickening because they left so many on the so board. Many. Whether it was you know the overthrow in the end zone to Travis Etienne, whether it was the Dewan Smoot roughing the passer mm-hmm. on third down that would have led to a field goal and you ended up giving a touchdown. So there were so many things that they did wrong in that game, and they were still in that game in the fourth quarter, led in the fourth quarter. So if you, you clean those up, mm-hmm. I think it's a different story. All right, before we get back to the game, I do have one other thing. Like I talked to 1010XL's Frank Frangie on our Teal the Show earlier this week, and he said something on Monday when we were talking. He said that this team is just normal for what feels like the first time in a long time. And I'd been thinking on that like since he said that, and I said, you know what? You're right. Like 19 when they had Foles who went down, and then you have Minshew Mania, and then you kind of want Nick back, but you don't want Nick back. Nick's kind of lost the locker room. Okay, so let's go with Gardner. That ain't normal. Right. And then you go into 20, that's your COVID year. You got Minshew in the first week. He goes out, plays lights out. You win a game. You get a little bit of confidence. Minshew hurts his thumb, lies to the trainers and the mm-hmm. coaching staff about it. Now he's in the doghouse. So we're watching Jake Luton, Mike Glennon, the team's like, ah, Minshew, what's going on? Not normal. Yeah, 15 <laughs> in a row. You know, uh, that, that's not normal. And then you bring in Urban Meyer, and that in and of itself <laughs> – Far from normal. So for the first time, like even after a loss last week, this team just feels like competent it is, it football. Does like agree. there's adults yeah. running the show, and it makes sense. It may. It, it feels different. It, it, it does. Feels it different. feels different. Now, will the results be different on the scoreboard? That's yet to be seen. I still do believe that they will win some games, but it, the, there is a serious thing like of it is just different. Like you don't have to worry about a lot of that foolishness from some of the other things, uh, from uh, some of the other coaching staffs with Doug Peterson and his coaching staff. These are former players that have been there, been around it, done that, and understand what it takes to be an NFL player and an NFL coach. And it just, it's telling. Even the way some of the players are acting and handling things, it is telling that there is now a an adult running the show. And, and, you, and you really, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You just feel differently with adults running the show. You saw that last year, just the incompetence, the, you know, the, the up and down of Urban, not knowing players' names and not even knowing players on his own team's names. Um, you know, opposing players, Aaron Donald, how do you not know who that guy is? I, it, it's just so up and down. And you're right. I mean, ever since 2017, that season, and really the, the year after that, where you come out, you bury the Patriots at home, you're 3-1, and one, you got a great start, and then after that, just the wheels completely fall off. You're not the same. Um, the drama of Urban, the Gardner and Trevor Sharon snaps last year for the, the starter, starting job, just nothing has felt right since 2017. Now, 2017 came out of nowhere, um, but it, feel, it feels different, and I, it, I think that's difficult to convey to fans who haven't, been in the locker room, been around the team, seen how players react. It's it's difficult to compare or you know convey how weird it feels, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to this team now feels normal. It feels almost stable, as opposed to last year where there was just just constant chaos around the team. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it from from urban centric reasons, and it just feels different. It feels like there's an adult running the show. 
There's not panic. There's not, what are we going to do? You're not treating the, the players like college kids, like Urban. You're not blasting, you know, music at training camp during, you know, a guy with a bullhorn on, you know, calling out players. Whatever. I mean, there's so many hydrate, issues. Hydrate. Hydrate. I mean, there's not, there's not that drama and, and just uncertainty around the team like there was. And that's why I feel week two this year so much different than it was. I, again, I said last week, you're, you're, po- you're Mr. Positive or you kind of glass half full. I am the complete opposite. I'm a glass half empty. It's leaking. It's bad. So I tend <laughs> to see the worst in every situation. So it's for me to say, I do kind of feel things are different and this team is going somewhere. I think it's different. I think it's, it's a different vibe around the team. I think there's uh, the leadership says a lot. I think Doug has done a lot to restore that, uh, just the, how fragile that locker room was after Urban left last year, how much distrust there was. And I do think he has made a point of emphasis to do that. And you can listen to Doug. You can ask him a question and hear his response. He'll look at you in the eyes. He'll tell you what's going on. Um, you know, and you just did not have that. I, even with Doug Marone, his last, you know, last couple of years, it was just you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. He was 15 games in a row. I mean, the, the roster was terrible. Awful. I mean, awful roster. Um, so you just did not get that these last, probably the last three years of the franchise before the season. And it really feels like Doug Peterson and, God forbid, Trent Baalke have done something <laughs> well for this franchise. And I think that it is starting to shift. I don't think they're playoffs this year, but I do think they win seven games. Hey, look, I mean, for as much grief as we've given Trent Baalke, uh, he's drafted what I, I think are going to be a couple of good draft classes back-to-back. Um, all right, back to the game. So we kind of touched on Jonathan Taylor, which is one thing that the Jaguars defense is going to have to handle. But the other big issue for them is going to be Matt Ryan. Uh, of course, Matt Ryan, a former uh, MVP of the league, made it all the way to the Super Bowl before with the Falcons. This is his first year with the Colts. So this will be the Jaguars defense really first time handling him in mm-hmm. that Colts jersey last week in his first AFC South game. Ended in a tie, so not exactly a prolific mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, but he did, he did help come them. back. He, he did, did come back. He did lead them in a comeback, something he couldn't do right. in Atlanta. Right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> gotta throw that in there. Yeah, just got a twenty-eight to three. <laughs> just throwing it in there. Um, you know, uh, so we'll see. Like I, Matt Ryan, at the very least, is a very good quarterback. Uh, the question is just how good can he be at this stage of mm-hmm. his career with the weapons he has around him in Indianapolis. Um, that, that's ultimately the biggest thing. When Matt Ryan was his most dangerous, he was thrown to some very, very talented yes. people. I mean, Tony Gonzalez, Julio yes. Jones. They had, he had some guys. guys. He, had he, guys. Had, he had guys. So uh, at this point, the Colts don't have a Julio Jones. Right. They don't. Michael Pittman Jr., good, good receiver, not Julio Jones. Yep. There are very few Julio Joneses out there. So this Colts offensive line is okay. The question is, can Matt Ryan captain that offense to be a potent and effective dangerous weapon uh last week against the colts or against the texans very slow start to the game they struggled to get anything together and then late in the third quarter into the fourth quarter light comes on but they were running jonathan taylor it wasn't Mm -hmm. matt ryan who's out there surgically piecing people apart or picking people apart so you you almost go into the game and say all right well 
we're going to have to force Matt Ryan to beat us. And mm -hmm. that's the pro That's what the Colts are hoping for is that defenses are going to pick their poison and say, oh, well, we'll stop Jonathan Taylor, stack the box, and make Matt beat us. And they're hoping that Matt's a good enough quarterback at this stage in his career to do that. Um, so that's a very dangerous choice because we've seen Matt Ryan over the course of his career have some big games. Yes, yeah, true. But I don't know if he's at that point this year, this year with them. Um, you know, Carson Wentz couldn't do it last year. There's a lot of those similar guys back for the Colts. You're not, again, I, I don't think you're there. You're built to run. You're built to, to run with Jonathan Taylor. And I don't want to call Matt Ryan a game manager, but I don't think he's, again, he's not an elite quarterback. But again, Carson Wentz isn't either, and he picked you apart last week for four touchdowns with not a right. great ground game behind him. So it will be interesting to see what adjustments are made. Indy historically plays not well in Jacksonville. Um, you've got a, a great offensive line, strong running back, Jonathan Taylor. And I think if you're Indy, you want to see a little bit more balance than you saw last week. Um, but I think Jonathan Taylor is where it starts and um, not where it ends, but I think it's where it starts with him. And you kind of use Matt Ryan to um, – Again, maybe a step above game manager, whatever that title is. Uh, I think that's what he is this week. Game chief. <laughs> <laughs> game assistant. Game yeah, assistant. game assistant, whatever. All right, Neil, I, I'm right there with you, and I think it's going to be on this defense to really show up and stop Jonathan Taylor. Foye Aluakin has said, said when he showed up here that part of the reason he wanted to come to the AFC South was to stop those backs like Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Well, all right, now it's time to live that's up to that statement. And they did. You know, when they played him last year, he had a hellacious first half. I mean, on pace for you think if this if this continues, yeah, I mean, it was, it was this is ridiculous. Three hundred yard rushing. I mean, this is unbelievable. And then they did, to their credit, as bad of a team as it was last year, were able to shut him down after the break. So, and we've seen Jacksonville make those adjustments, uh, like they. I mean, they did last week. They did last year in situations. So. I do think that this will be a, a closer game. And again, Rodrigo Blankenship, they're, they're bringing a new kicker in this week. Mm -hmm. He's not there. Um, so, again, some, uh, some moving parts with Indy. you got a quarterback who's only in a second game with the franchise. you got a new field goal kicker this week after they cut Rodrigo after uh, his uh, miss in overtime, and they weren't able to win that game. So some moving parts for the Colts, and I do like the Jaguars this week. All right, flipping script to that defense. Trevor Lawrence, best game of his career, two-point, was the final game of the year against the Colts. Sadly, Matt Eberflus has taken a job with Chicago, so they have a new defensive system mm -hmm. in, in Indy now. So uh, not exactly can't rest on his laurels there. He'll have to show up. One thing that I really am interested in is that last season, and again, this is last season, but Zay Jones' biggest game of his career was against the Colts last year with the with – the, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, so maybe Zay Jones can have himself another day. If Trevor Lawrence and Zay can can have themselves some big days against the Colts, that would be nice. And I, um, I, I talented mean, I, defense. I like Zay. I mean, he showed more throughout camp to me than he did last week. But he had a good game last week. He had a good game. Um, I mean, he what five catches, something like that. Yeah, um, five, five for fifty-seven, something yeah. like that, sixty yards. And I mean, then, uh, and there was the. There, were, there was the one in the end zone I thought he could have had he, mm -hmm. and when he dove for it. I mean, if you had that on there, I mean, he probably 60, 70 yards. Yep. And then Trevor had the other one that he was trying to get to him in the end zone. So he had shots. I mean, He had. They were there. Christian Kirk, a good game. So I do like the, yeah. the free agent pickups they have at receiver. Mm -hmm. um, and you throw Marvin Jones in there, too. So I do like Trevor Lawrence, with the, the weapons he's got to work with. I think he's got to be a little cleaner in pass protection. Um, 
uh, it just did not have to me all that great of time to on some of those yeah. crucial situations, those crucial third downs. Um, you just did not have. He was under a that, lot of pressure. That third and eleven play at the end. It, you got to keep your quarterback a little bit more. I mean, two intentional grounding calls to me. That's not a a quarterback situation. I mean, yeah, you have to. I think you got to take the sack uh, in that situation instead of a instead of a grounding call. But the, to me, that's that pressure where you've got to you've got to keep your quarterback a little bit more comfortable back there. Right, and that's going to be tough this week because DeForest Buckner is a good a good defensive lineman. This Colts defense very talented. Got player got. Got guys at every on level. Each level. Yeah, I mean Stephon Gilmore, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore. I mean there there are some guys yes. on this defense. So Trevor Lawrence and those guys and, and the Jaguars are going to have their, their work cut out for them. Um, I the like one, this matchup though better for Trevor and the Jags offense than I did that Washington game, just because Washington's game is so predicated on that defensive pressure. Yeah. and you're missing your best guy, and they Chase Young. And you still got so much pressure on right. Trevor Lawrence. And to me, that was a bad matchup for Jacksonville's offensive line. You're starting a rookie center. You got a new starter in Brandon Sheriff. Again, a great guy. Um, but first first time with that team on the offensive line. Um, ben Barch, again, not a, again, a great A player. He's not. So that to match up to me was far worse than I think we're going to see this week. Yeah. And, you know, the Jaguars have some interesting things, and I, I like the pieces, the way they've come together on this offense. There were some mistakes and a lot of things they have to clean up, but you have to like the pieces and even the vision. A lot of people, we talked about Christian Kirk ourselves multiple times, and he showed up and, yeah, and we put up some numbers. Uh, PFF graded him out as uh, the top wide receiver against man coverage in week one. And that was one of the things when I talked to him during training camp, and I asked him, I was like, what is your role in this offense? He says, you know, I'm the number one guy. When when there's man coverage, I have to go out there and win for this offense. So what did he do? He went out there in week one and Excellent did Excellent game. So, Excellent uh, game. Um, you know, they executed, and they he took advantage of the opportunities. Big thing that we've heard over and over, no drops from Christian Kirk. So we will take that That's <laughs> every right. day and twice on Sunday. Um, so th- this offense is close. you, you got to feel like they're close because if they execute, and do some of the little things correctly, that's a 30-point easily game. Mm-hmm. I mean, if not more than that. I mean, Travis Etienne knows he had he could have scored at least mm-hmm. twice. You know, Zay Jones had an opportunity that he could have gotten. Um, Christian Kirk had one that he could have gotten. Zay Jones had one he could have gotten. I mean, how many guys along the offense had an opportunity to yep. score a touchdown? Again, and it, it just if you just say, together? if you just say, okay, we left 10 points on the board, you're sitting at 32 points yes. in a game. And you're not probably having to go for two-point conversion. So, I mean, you're looking at a game in the 33, 34-point range with the uh, still new and learning and developing offense. How huge is that right there if you're, if you're able to go out there? Jackson, when's the last time they hit 30 in a game? I mean, it's been... Their season high for points last year came against the Colts Col- in the final week of the season. It's 28. 28. So, I, and then you're not... I mean, 30 points in a game. When would that have been? And you left, I mean, just... You're just very vanilla. You left 10 points on the board last week. Yep. You've got 32, 33 points um, if you punch 10 of those in. That's, again, that shows you the steps on this offense. you got 22 in your season opener. 
you ran the ball well, extremely well with, with J-Rob and Travis Etienne. I'd like to see, Etienne scares me when he's, he's got the ball in his hands. He, to me, he looks almost like a fumble <laughs> waiting to happen. I mean, that shot he took on the sideline where the ball Oh, man, bounced. that one, I was surprised he got up. Look, goodness, I watched that and I said, oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, reminded me of that sideline hit in training camp where you just, um, was it Cisco that absolutely that was, that was Cisco, leveled yeah. him? And he he bounced up, but you said, oh, how many more of these can Travis take? I mean, the one thing with, like, Travis, he reminds me so much of, like, a Brandon Cooks. Like, he is fast and electric to get up to speed, but he's not necessarily the shiftiest of guys. He doesn't make a whole lot of guys miss. Now, not that... That on that play, he necessarily had the chance to make somebody miss, but I mean, he's gonna have to figure it out because he can't keep taking hits like that. That was Ooh, man. That was bad. That one. That one was rough. That one was rough. But okay, so the arrows pointing up for this offense and this defense. Um, at the very least, we think that there there should be improvement from week one to week two, and that also comes with having a competent coaching staff, adults running the show. So going into week two, first home game of the year. Uh, Go ahead and uh, prediction for the game. How, how do you think, okay, let, let's actually, we can do the prediction in two waves. How about this? Well, a prediction for Trevor Lawrence's stat line first. Okay. I'll say Trevor is uh, 20 for a 31, uh, 283, uh, two TDs and a pick. Two TDs and a pick, okay. Uh, I'll give Trevor, I think they'll cut down his passes a little bit, so I'm going to go 18 for 18 for 30. Probably a 300-yard day, but I'll give him one touchdown. Okay. I'll give him one touchdown. Um, all right, final score for the game after that. I'll say, I'll say Jags. I'm going to go back with the score from last year. I'll say Jags 28 again, um, and the Colts maybe 20. 28-20 Jags. I like it. I like it. All right, um, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go a little bit different here. So I'm, and I'm gonna go out on a ledge. Last week I did my prediction, and one of the comments on the website was, "When was the last time the Jaguars scored 30 points? You think they're gonna score 30 points? I'm gonna give them 30 30 plus again this week. I'm gonna go 33, 33-28. Oh man, 30, you're a believer in the offense. I'm gonna go 33-28 okay. Jags edge and get get the win okay. this season. Um, again, I'm still sticking to some of my preseason notes here. I've picked them from the beginning to win this game. I also picked them last week. We saw how that went. But 33-28 is where I'm sitting right now, and uh, we'll see. I think I, I am a, a little bit of a believer in this offense. Uh, I think they have the pieces. I liked what I saw. And one of the things, like, for as much as we questioned Trevor, in the, or I questioned Trevor yeah. you know, on, on the earlier week podcast, I will say, you know, you're in a good situation when you need your best player to play like your best player. Mm -hmm. And you need Trevor Lawrence to play up to that to that level, to that confidence level that people seem to have in him that he looks like the best player on that offense on the field. And there are there are worse problems to have right. than needing your best player to play like that. You know, Aaron Rodgers has a rough game sometimes. Tom Brady has a rough game. But and when it comes crunch time, they play like like they're the professional, best right? The yeah, and we've and, not seen that from Trevor. And we've we just haven't. not seen it. So I'm, I'm thinking this can be the, or I'm not thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning that this will be the week okay. that he hey. does that, 
300 yards. 300 yards, that's okay. it. I'm not. I'm just moderate numbers. Okay, all right. I'm not expecting them to go crazy, but I do think that they walk out with points. They captain it down the field. Obviously, with the only one touchdown pass to his name, that means J-Rob and ETN end up having the big days as far as getting into the end zone. Okay, all right. I, I like where your head's at. We need to see something from Trevor. I mean, I, Got to. I, I get, I'm not on the Trevor panic bandwagon yet, but, again, we've, had, we've seen, what, 18 games now, and we've just not seen a signature moment from Trevor. We've seen a lot of gaffes at the end of games, a lot of turnovers in, criti- in critical situations. Um, just have not seen that moment where he's had, other than the Dolphins game last year where he set him up for that field goal uh, to, to end that long losing streak, but it wasn't a Trevor take control uh, that was, again, that was more of a game manager. You know your clock. And a great play by LaVisca to get down when he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just have not seen that signature moment by Trevor. I mean, a win last year against the Bills, totally defense and field goals. The Colts game last year, his shining moment, I guess you could say, was, was Trevor's best that game. That was it. You can play the song. His shining moment. Yeah, and so it was, that was his best game against, you know, when, when Jaguars fans had already checked out, when, you know, week 17 game, you shouldn't be playing. I mean, week 17, I mean, come on. That, if that's your shining moment, that's that's pretty bad. Season's over at that point. It is. So we, we just need to see that him. and see him make the throws consistently. Uh, I'm not quite giving him that kind of day on Sunday. Like I said, I, I think one touchdown. You said two. We'll see. It's an opportunity. Maybe he just has the Colts number. I would love to see that. Uh, but we did both pick yeah, him to pick- win again. So... We'll see if that can come to fruition, if they can pull off a W this week. First home game. Uh, Definitely we'll be uh, keeping tabs on how Trevor performs this week, and we'll be talking about that in some future News for Jags podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll check in with you again after the Colts game.